This is the Fantasy Football Sportal Podcast, presented by Fantazzle for all your fantasy sports needs. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Sportal Podcast. I'm joined by TJ Finley and Ramon Ramirez via Skype. Good afternoon, Justin. Good to be here. Good to be here. Looking forward to it. We're going to be talking some college football and focusing on games that we find insulting. And I know, Ramon, this was your idea, so why don't you kick us off with a game. What are some, a bowl game that you are finding a little insulting that the college football world has decided to force upon us this holiday season? Oh, sure, Justin. Well, yeah, I guess basically, a quick overview, you know, this is this is when we should all be doing some sort of just really tasty, meaty, substantive playoff preview. Just getting really excited for some sort of wonderful tournament that's going to feature multiple dynamic matchups that's going to include the best player in the country as uh, evidenced by last night's Heisman Trophy ceremony. That, that That's going to give us something to really care about. And instead, as we, as we go through every year, uh, we have pairings of tasteless and pointless games. I think if, if we're going to put one on the board, I think the notion of Penn State playing in a New Year's Day Bowl after the season that they've had and after the issues that they've had across the board is a huge detriment to the program and it shouldn't be happening. Too big a distraction. So, so, And I don't even know what that bowl's called. They're, they're playing Case Keenum in Houston, but that's just, to me, a game that this shouldn't exist, and we'll, we'll start there. I think I agree. That, that's, that's actually the Ticket City Bowl. To, to have them playing on a New Year's Day Bowl is a bit of a distraction, but just from from a football perspective, I think it's a pretty intriguing matchup. I mean, Houston kind of had a BCS, uh, you know, they had BCS glory right there in front of them. It just kind of, you know, wet the bed a little bit with the game they, that they lost in their Conference USA Championship. It's actually going to be interesting to see on the field. I don't think that Penn State team is very good, but they're still finished the season 9-3. and three. So uh, I think I think it gives a good matchup. We can see what that Houston team is really made of because I don't think we saw the the real Houston, especially not the real Houston offense on the in their championship game. So I think on the field it looks good, but no one's going to worry about what's happening on the field. The stories are all going to be about the scandal, and it's it's just not going to be good for college football at all. Definitely agree. Uh, I think the thing that in general that's uh, at least this game features two winning teams. I think the thing that about the bowl season that's so frustrating is when you see all these games that are. Featuring teams that are six and six, or even worse, uh, six and seven, as we <laughs> see in the Craft Fight Fight Hunger Bowl, which probably the only good thing about this bowl is the fact that it's for a good cause. It's fighting hunger, apparently, because you're, it's not really wetting my appetite. UCLA started six and zero, oh, finished six and seven. Is not an exciting team. Uh, Illinois also finished six and six, so a team that or a bowl that has more losses going into it than wins is just not a bowl <laughs> worth playing. Uh, I mean, it's also a bowl featuring two programs that fired their head coaches, which just further indicates that these teams are not happy with where they got by the end of this year. So why should we be excited to see them play? I do not know. Um, this is definitely sort yeah. of a uh, help wanted bowl, if anything. TJ, you're a people person. You're a sports. You say you're a UCLA sports marketing executive, and you've just landed in the Kraft uh, Fight Hunger Bowl, and you're playing Illinois. And I'm a UCLA alum. Sell me the game. How, how are you going to get me to the game? What 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 is exciting about this matchup? 
The only, the only, I think, I read this somewhere on a blog, I think the only way to make this game entertaining is just to have Ron Zook and New Heisel actually do the commentary of the game and just comment on their old teams and, you know, kind of do hands off and tell how much the players suck. I mean, there's no way to sell this game. That Illinois team was, was ranked at some point during the season. They probably, you know, they feasted on a week preseason, but, uh, or, or, but, you know, they were, you know, they were a ranked team and they, they came out hot and just, Fell down the stretch. And the UCLA team wasn't very good, but you know that that's your that's your Pac-12 runner-up, and that's not going to help you sell tickets to the game either. I mean, it's just awful. It sucks that you know people are always talking about how the bowl system's pure and how it's what's right about college football. But when you have a matchup like this, where neither one of these teams deserve to be in a bowl game, neither one of the teams are good. Nobody's looking forward to this game, and I don't see why you know we need to preserve a system that lets matchups like this happen. Couldn't agree more. I think uh, I think so. Going off of that, I'll, I'll throw one out there. I think the game that I'm most upset about is probably the Mako Bowl because it, it, the matchup is uh, Boise against Arizona State. And you have Boise, of course. They lost one game this year. They lost to TCU, and so they finished 11 and one. Some people thought they'd have a shot at a BCS bid, which I guess we'll get to later, but uh, they didn't get it. And so you know you're that close to a BCS bowl game and all of a sudden you end up in the Mako Bowl playing an awful Arizona State team. I think they're six and six as well. And it's just that that's a really good Boise State team that have been for years. It's gonna be Kellen Moore's last game and he's gonna go out you know, against a pretty bad underachieving Arizona State team that people thought would be better. Uh they've also hired fired their coach. And so now, you know, we don't want to see that Boise team. We want to, we want something that puts the best teams against the best teams, like Ramon was saying. And if you have a playoff, you know, you, you have Boise State in the middle of that playoff hunt. They're getting ready for a playoff game, either going on the road somewhere or maybe even having a playoff game on the blue turf. And it's just sad that their last game and, and Kellen Moore's last game, one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in the last 10 years of college football, is going to be against Arizona State team. They're going to beat by 100. Uh, and uh, more than anything, I mean, this is a game where Boise State can do absolutely nothing but tarnish their legacy. And, and it's that eternal and endless pursuit of perfection that seems to cost them every year. When it's all said and done, uh, Boise State will have gone 50-3 and three under Kellen Moore with absolutely nothing to show for it beyond overwhelming public sympathy. And at least we had, you know, the head coach, Chris Peterson, publicly deride the BCS. But again, I, I just don't even know why we're having this conversation. And then this, this whole, this whole idea of playoff salivating dreams and, and every year there's there's a, a zillion think pieces that, that get into what's possible and the fact that we're, that we're we're stuck with this is just is just really really frustrating uh and, and boise state obviously your heart goes out to them uh probably the most uh, endearing and um inventive team of the last five or six years uh i, I think justin i think i think you i think we need to move on to the next insulting matchup all right, well, I think it's the game that Boise State probably should have ended up in, and that's uh, if they were going to end up in one, probably the All-State Sugar Bowl, where we have a Michigan team that just hasn't been able to like play consistently at, consistently at all this year, and Virginia Tech, which, I mean, they just lost their last game, There's and then they go and pick them for this bowl. It does not make any sense. There's no way that they should have snuck in here, yet... I mean, I guess because the ACC is just such a powerhouse, you got to put two of the two ACC teams and BCS teams, and, <laughs> uh, and that's what we've got. So uh, it doesn't make any sense. But this, I mean, this, so this game is just it's such an opportunity for really quality matchup, and instead we have two teams that are basically picked because they're you know the people all state in the Sugar Bowl know that these are. 
fans who are going to travel. They're going to fill this stadium. And that's going to bring in money. And that's all this is about. And it's just sort of further emphasizing why bowls are so bad. I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And I think, I mean, this matchup is bad on both sides. On one hand, you have a Michigan team who lost to the Michigan State team who played in the Big Ten Championship. And so Michigan State, by losing the Big Ten Championship, was penalized even though they got there. So Michigan got to sit at home, you know, on that last week of the season, sit at home and then get into a BCS game, which is pretty atrocious since Michigan State beat them. Also, on the other side, Virginia Tech actually beat three ranked or they actually played, they only played three ranked teams this year. They played Clemson twice, and they got beat by more than 40 points both times, or, or, or sorry, by a total of more than 40 points in both of those games. They lost to Clemson twice, and then they played a Georgia Tech team when they were ranked, but now Georgia Tech's way outside of the top 25. So Virginia Tech has no top 25 wins. They got housed twice by a Clemson team that's lost a few games in their own right, and all of a sudden they're in, the B- they're in a BCS Bowl. They get looked over. You look over teams like Kansas State, who finished 10-2, and two, had a great year, definitely get that program back on track. You know, of course, Boise State we already talked about, and even like an outside shot like Baylor. I mean, they had the best player in the country in Robert Griffin who just won the Heisman last night. These are all three teams that that, that deserve a shot at, at, at that bowl game, and we want to see those teams because they're playing good football. The last game Virginia Tech played was the ACC Championship, and they got destroyed. And I mean, no, even Frank Beamer didn't think that they had a chance to get into this game. And it just... The system's just a, a complete joke, and I, for one, won't be watching the Sugar Bowl. I have no interest in the matchup at all. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, you know, I think beyond that, the Virginia Tech is, is an understood atrocity. It makes absolutely no gridiron sense. And even, even in terms of dollars, so when you have the University of Michigan there, you know, probably the biggest alumni base in the country, really doesn't matter who, who you play. You know, everyone sort of accepted that because Michigan did the minimum and because of what they bring to the table, you can't get particularly upset with Michigan's inclusion, even though, again, it's probably some more deserving teams out there. But that's sort of the point. Having a Michigan, that's, that, that's, the, that's the condition, that's the provision. Having Michigan in the Sugar Bowl allows you to put a team like Boise State, allows you to bring uh, head coach uh, of the year Bill Snyder from Kansas State to, 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 to play Michigan and test their fate. Um, Virginia Tech is, is, is a, an absolutely baffling and, and ridiculous choice. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, neither program is going to benefit from this. There's overwhelming uh, sentiment against Frank Beamer's Virginia Tech team for being in the game. Michigan uh, has a, a great opportunity to see, you know, to show the country how far they've come, what they have, because they had a pretty subpar Big Ten year. And you know, when you when you let, you know, if we think back to that great night game, you let a team like Notre Dame look like the 2007 Patriots on your defense, and you need Denard having this kind of freakish, Denard, your quarterback Denard Robinson having this freakish four-touchdown flurry just to beat a really bad, uh, substandard Notre Dame team, and, and they, there's just no signature wins from Michigan. What Brady Hoke needs, what that alumni, alumni base needs is an opportunity to play a top-tier, a top-tier opponent, and Virginia Tech is, 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 is uh, an average team that belongs in a, a sub-tier bowl down in the state of Florida. Based on that, which which team do you think is actually going to come out victorious in this game? Oh God! Well, yeah, I, you know, before we get into that, I, I think it's it's interesting to note that this is maybe the fourth or fifth game that we've broken down, and at no point have either of the three of us been remotely motivated to talk X's and O's because it, it doesn't matter, and it, it would almost feel like a waste of everyone's time to sit here and break down Ron Zook's offense. Yeah, I, I think I think I totally agree with you, and I think. It means a lot that we're literally doing a podcast right now. We haven't said anything about X's and O's. But I, I think the major point is, like Ramon said, 
Michigan does have a, a chance to show people that they're back, quote-unquote, so to speak. And with Urban Meyer, you know, coming into the Big Ten and taking over that Ohio State program, they really need to send a message that they're going to be the ones on top of the Big Ten or at least competing because you don't want it to go back like it was because, I mean, I think everybody thinks Urban's going to get that program going pretty fast. But I, I, but I, I agree. I, I don't care who wins. Uh, you know, if I had to pick, I'd pick Michigan just because I think – Virginia Tech's really bad, and they haven't beaten anybody this year. At least Michigan, you know, has beaten Notre Dame and played competitive against a couple other guys. Virginia Tech hasn't beaten anybody. Yeah, you know, I'm actually going to defer. I just think Michigan's a bad team. I think they have a, a really just substandard defense. And I think Virginia Tech is a better coach team, uh, an older team, a more experienced team. I think Denard Robinson is a very exciting player, but I, I've never seen him play a non-Big Ten opponent and look remotely competent. I know the ACC is not... Uh, it's not a conference that, that, that brings any kind of fear uh, to the table, but Virginia Tech is a standard entity. They will have at least a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they, they're, they're familiar with that Sugar Bowl. I, I know Texas fans everywhere remember like the 95 Sugar Bowl uh, when they, you know, James Brown and the Longhorns had a 10 nothing lead and the Virginia Tech just took over. We all remember the, the Michael Vick National Championship game that they lost to Florida State in 99. Uh, so Virginia Tech's kind of experience in, in bowl games like that and positive history coupled with Michigan's lack of defense and Virginia Tech special teams and, and that kind of total Beamer ball philosophy, I think Virginia Tech wins by 10 points. Wow. All right. But I know, Ramon, the game that you ultimately most want to talk about here is the one that's that last game of the year. Uh, why don't you go ahead and explain why you are so upset about this game? It, it's funny because there's nothing I, I can really say that hasn't been said a million times, but I think, I think what we should do instead of trying to be original here approaching, and of course we're all talking about the BCS National Championship, I think it's important to sort of for archival purposes to break down all of the arguments that we've, we've heard and seen a million times over the last week and just make sure that we have this all on the table and then kind of go from there. So to begin with, the notion of playing for the National Championship when you didn't win your conference is absurd. The notion of having two teams from the same conference play for the National Championship is absurd. The notion that Alabama gets an extra week to prepare and an extra week to rest is absurd. The notion that the last Saturday of the calendar meant nothing but conference payouts and pageantry is absurd. And, and the notion that also, you know, at best, Alabama will have gone one and one against LSU, and LSU and Alabama would all of a sudden magically become the champion is absurd. The notion that Alabama lost at home and gets to play for the BTS National Championship is absurd. And then the, the fact that we, we have teams uh, across the board and I would argue that even Boise State is more deserving. But a team like Oklahoma State, you know, a team, when, when you look at the gridiron versus virtuosity of, uh, and just general talent of Oklahoma State, and when you see Des Bryant and Patrick Peterson play a really even fun game on Sunday afternoon, that's a matchup that you almost have to program if you're college football. And I think it's one last argument that I, that I don't think we've made, one, one last bullet point, and this is more of a, you know, this is a, a, a blog message board bullet point. But it's ESPN's overwhelming and ridiculous SEC bias. And, you know, I, I don't like to sit here and, and throw darts at ESPN because ESPN did give Oklahoma State this ridiculous, elaborate preseason documentary that they showed around the clock on ESPN, too. But when on the last college football Saturday you have one semi-meaningful game, and that's the Bedlam game in Stillwater. College game day goes to the meaningless SEC championship, allows Nick Saban to come on in a red tie and basically stumped for Alabama mm-hmm. for 20 minutes. And then when you have a, a feigned roundtable discussion with your college football experts complaining about the BCS, the only anti-BCS argument they make 
is that every conference shouldn't have an automatic qualification. So they just basically take that opportunity to, 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 to rain on a team like West Virginia when there's a million more important and vital things to uh, complain about. I, th- I think, I mean, one, just on paper, even outside of the talent argument, which I definitely definitely buy, just on paper, I mean, the SEC, ESPN's SEC bias gets in the way of so much just looking at just facts and numbers. I mean, it's fact that the Big 12 is the strongest conference in the nation this year. I mean, it was a tough conference to get through. Nobody got through it unscathed. And it's just top to bottom, the Big 12 was a better conference than the SEC this year. There's no way around it. And, you know, And the teams at the top, maybe the teams at the top, are, are better, just as good or, or equal as the SEC. But it's, it, I mean, there's no doubt that that you know Oklahoma State played a harder schedule than Alabama did, and that's just facts. And that didn't even come into play. Granted, you know, the, the Oklahoma State's loss is bad. I mean, that's not that's a talented Iowa State team. That's an Iowa State team that played tough, but that's not a particularly good Iowa State team. And you can't lose that. And I know that there are circumstances to their loss, but you just can't lose that game. That being said, if we're looking at two teams that have one loss, they're both flawed. And I just think if you have a home game against the number one team in the country and you can't beat them, I don't think you should get another shot at them. And, and, and I think the most offensive notion to me here is the fact that they literally got an extra week to rest up, to watch more film, to sit around and watch LSU go out and, and play a game that was tough for a while. I mean, LSU didn't walk in there and beat them down. The first couple quarters of that game were close and it got out of hand at the end. But and I just don't – actually, I mean, it's comical. I mean, a couple of years ago when it suited them, Nick Saban said you should never win your conference – and not get into the you know and get to the national championship. And he's talking in regards to to Texas, you know, in '08 in the year where Texas had a similar tiebreaker system, and Oklahoma got it, got in the Big 12 championship, and then now Oklahoma then goes to the national championship that year. And so Nick Saban's on record as saying you should never get into the national championship if you don't win your conference. And all of a sudden now he's sitting in the national championship, yet he didn't win his conference. He didn't even win his division. And I just I, I find it an absurd notion. But this, I mean, it, it makes me angry, but it's more procedural. I think the game is going to be good. I think I might be one of the only people that think the game is going to be good. I enjoyed that first game for what it was. And I honestly thought that maybe Alabama was the better team on that day. They just had some field goal kicking problems and a couple of plays went, didn't go their way. So I think the game itself, the product on the field, will be fine. I just don't think it's the right matchup. And I think the Oklahoma State game, I think Oklahoma State would give LSU a better game. I think that would be one of the all-time classic national championship games. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think... I'm hoping for a few more points in that first game. I wasn't particularly <laughs> excited with that, you know, 9-6 outcome. Um, but I imagine there's going to be at least a touchdown in this game. I personally, I mean, which I mean, which way do you guys think? I mean, long-term, I feel like the answer has to be, obviously, a playoff of some sort. I think mm-hmm. eight games feels right. Uh, six team, 16 teams just, you get tuned to, you know, 16, you can kind of get into some mediocre teams in there. And, it, I mean, it does add a significant number of games. Uh, that would, you know, be three more games if you had 16. Eight, it's two more games. I mean, they're already taking six weeks off between the mm-hmm. end of the, you know, between conference championship games and the, uh, you know, bowl seat, you know, especially the, the key bowl games. So, you know, you play two more games in there. I don't think that's out of the question. And, yeah. uh, you know, there there's sort of the, the notion of it might interfere with finals or, uh, you know, that, you want to have the student athletes have that time off, but you can definitely, I, you know, these are undergrads. I think they can probably figure it out. Uh, you know, if they're legit student athletes, they can probably figure out a way to juggle the two. And I mean, a good portion of the guys who are playing these national championship championship teams are going to college to major in football. So I am not too worried that they won't have 
they won't be able to perform at a high level. Where do you guys see it? I mean, do you see this happening anytime soon? And I mean, would you have another preference to sure. the way this goes? Good, good question. Good question, Justin. You know, interestingly enough, yeah, the, the academics argument is always funny because it's you know the the NCAA loves to work in academics whenever it's beneficial to their argument. Uh, and then it's funny that they have no problem sending their volleyball kids and their basketball kids and uh, their legitimate student-athletes uh, across the country for all sorts of uh, chunks of time and, 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 and situations, and they have no problem sending, their, you know, sending track kids to the Olympics and all that stuff, uh, but, but somehow two more weeks of football action would, would cause it during the winter <coughs> when they're between quarters or semesters anyway. I mean, that's, that, that's just it, – it, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, I, I, obviously, the big problem – is that I don't think any anyone will disagree that the most sort of rewarding tournament in American sports is, is the March Madness tournament. Is it, it's a, a consummate meritocracy, and you always have very real great drama. And of course, the problem there is that that tournament never makes nearly what the bowl games make financially for for college football as a, as a sport. So, what fans are going to continue to travel? How do you how do you ration that out? Um, I, I think. What I would be satisfied with as, as a fan would be, and we're getting closer to, is, is the plan of the seeded plus four. Uh, the seeded plus, uh, what is it? The, the, basically, the BCS seeds a one in a four team and has a final four, a national semifinal, and then one other game. So it's the seeded plus one. So you have, you know, the one team and the four team, uh, the two team and the three team, and then one more game that, that feels, uh, like a good national championship. And I think, I think that's, that's the way to go. And, and really, I feel like that could be a very exciting, happy event for all involved. Yeah. I feel, I feel like that would solve every problem because we, we never have. I mean, there's never really an argument about the five best teams and the six best teams. It's always those top tier. Is does you know who 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 deserves to play? And it's always the argument is always who deserves to play this consensus number one team. Um, and and I think that would solve every problem across the board. And and and, and that would and that would be that. I mean, this year we would have. An LSU Stanford semifinal. We have a competent offense. We have a pro quarterback prospect against this great defense. And then on the other side, obviously, we have Oklahoma State and Alabama. Uh, to and, and at the end of the day, we may end up with another Alabama SEC, uh, you know, Alabama LSU All SEC Championship, and that'd be great. Uh, we, with the nations would have nothing to say. ESPN and the SEC would continue to have their SEC's tops uh, argument, and no one would say anything. I, I think that's the, I think that's the way to move forward. And I think we're getting there. So that you know, that's the positive note here. Is it seems like all the indications that we're getting there, all the you know, all the AQs and all, all these contracts are coming up here in a couple of years, and it's going to really make everybody sit down and, and and kind of hash this out. And I think we'll get a plus one, and I think that'll be a precursor to you know something maybe bigger, maybe like eight teams, like you were talking earlier. Maybe we'll get there. That'd be a dream. But but if you're going to give me a plus one, and I know that teams are playing football down the stretch that's directly tied to them advancing, I mean. We can say all we want to about Alabama versus Oklahoma State, but if they go on the field and Alabama houses them, there's nothing we can say. We we have to shut up. I mean, that's the point, right? Nobody feels you're not going to complain complaining about the matchup because those teams work themselves to get there. Those those teams actually, you know, it's not about going on the slump. You don't have to worry about Nick Saban wearing the red tie and going against everything he's ever said and going on the slump and arguing for his team. And that's the kind of things that people are disillusioned with. We watch football. 
in its purest form, we watch college sports in general because of how pure they are and how different they are from professional sports. But when you have people going on the stump and arguing and, and, and you know, playing into the system and using quotes that suit them and using numbers that suit them, then it's, then it's, it's taking away everything that's pure. And so I think a plus one is a pretty good idea. And I think we'll get it. I think it's going to be incredible. And one, one more thing that's funny to know is that even in years like 2005 or even in years, I guess, if, you know, you look at last year, the, uh, the Auburn-Oregon game, even, you know, years where the system works and we get the top two teams playing each other in, uh, you know, in a situation where pre-BCS, you know, the Pac-10 champ would never play the SEC champ in a, in a, in a bowl and we would have had a split national title. Even when the system gets it right and gets the right matchup because of that six-week layoff, you know, a, a, a very precision-oriented offense like Oregon isn't allowed to really do do its thing, and we still have this flat, ugly title game. Uh, the BCS era has provided very few signature memorable moments, and uh, after 15 years, I think I think everyone's had enough. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the one uh, the one reason I'm more a fan of the eight over the you know the four, the plus one method, um, format is because you still can't in a in a fourteen format you're still not going to get any of those smaller Boise State schools getting sure. a, a legitimate shot. Uh, I don't think there's any way that any of those big conferences are going to let a Boise State into a the you know the national championship hunt unless if they go back to back undefeated seasons and then it's kind of like they have to there isn't really an option but it's sort of that's what Bo- Boise State has to have like a you know, a 22-game undefeated streak if they want to have any shot uh, in mm-hmm. the current system. Or in a, I, even in a plus-one system, I think it would, they'd have to kind of go on that kind of tear. So it'll be interesting. But um, So we've been kind of ragging on the bowls, uh, but I know there's some – you guys are still excited. Uh, TJ, why don't you throw out something? What is, you know, at least one thing that you're thankful for this holiday season as it pertains to the bowls? Oh, I can give you that, that matchup in the Fiesta Bowl between uh, Oklahoma State and Stanford. You got a big name QB prospect and Andrew Luck. He's a Heisman finalist. Uh, everybody pretty much thinks he's the real deal. People are calling the next Peyton Manning. He'll be the number one pick for sure. On the other side, you have a high-powered Oklahoma State offense and Brandon Whedon, who's an older guy, uh, got got a hell of an arm and he's a really good player. And he's got he's got some Heisman hype around him a little bit before uh, they lost the game to Iowa State. And then you got you know Blackman, who's one of the best receivers in the country, if not the best receiver in the country. That's going to be a high-powered. Really fun game, and, and and to the credit, to give credit to a bowl game, the Fiesta Bowl has, you know, Ramon was saying how the BCS hasn't turned in very many signature moments, and I totally agree. But the Fiesta Bowl, if you look back in the history, always provides a good game. You have the Longhorns there against Ohio State; they win a game late a couple years ago. That's also where Boise State knocked off Oklahoma. I mean, the Fiesta Bowl is a lot of fun. It's a great venue, and I I, I usually enjoy the Fiesta Bowl, so I'm really looking forward to that matchup. I like the TJ. Um, I think in general. You know, we're going to sit here and complain forever, but the simple truth is that uh, it's going to be really sad in a couple of weeks uh, when there's no football. And it's uh, you know, the middle of February, and the fantasy football season is over in the NFL, and uh, you know, you're watching these winter and uh, college basketball games, and you're trying to get excited about the Big East. Uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely thankful to have these games, and, and I, I think if I could just sort of share a memory of, you know, my, my wife and I have been together now for nine years, and every New Year's Eve, uh, that sort of tradition of sitting around in blankets completely hungover watching uh, these weird uh, Capital One balls, and you have Auburn and Northwestern and, and all of a sudden you know you have like six balls happening at once and at least one of them is good so I'm going to enjoy that and after that I'm going to turn off the television I'm going to shift my attention towards the NFL and the NFC East, East race and uh, hopefully 
uh, you know, hopefully there'll, there'll be something to play for. Yes. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the one other game I want to throw out there that I'm really excited about is the Cotton Bowl. Uh, you got Kansas State against Arkansas. And I think this is kind of a you know the Big 12 SEC matchup that we didn't get you know in the championship game. We're getting it here in the Cotton Bowl. It'll be interesting. Kind of, I mean, Arkansas is favored in this game significantly. I think you know definitely because there's this belief that the SEC is stronger. And obviously, TJ, you completely disagree with that. So this is you know Kansas State has an opportunity here to kind of show, hey, you guys made a mistake. Uh, this was you know. Big T- Big Twelve is definitely a much stronger conference, uh, so I think a lot of you know pride in the in the Big Twelve will be riding on that Cotton Bowl, and so I will definitely be paying attention to that game on January sixth. So a lot of exciting stuff going on, um, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, do you have any any last words you want to throw out there before we call this a wrap? I just hope everybody enjoys the bowl season. I think Ramon made a great point, man. It's football. We can, we can complain about it all we want to, but it's a lot better than no football at all. So soak it in. Know that it's going away for a while and, uh, enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the, the pick em challenges, uh, uh, the confidence pools. Uh, I'm looking forward to a fun holiday bowl, uh, that you know, gives, uh, University of Texas and Cal, uh, some, you know, hopefully it's wacky. The best holiday bowls are always wacky. Um, and uh, and then and then when it's all said and done, after New Year's Day, because I lost my train of thought earlier about my apologies, but after New Year's Day, I'm going to completely stop paying attention to college football, shift my <laughs> attention to the NFL, uh, work work on my uh, you know, hit the gym, work on my resolutions, and uh, and then I'll I'll hear uh, about who uh, won the uh, meaningless championship on Twitter. Fair enough. And if you're into those pick'em games, definitely uh, we're sponsored by Fantazzle.com, so check that out. They've got some free roll. I know they've got the uh, all the college bowl games up there, so you can if you want to give yourself a little bit something to cheer for in a you know in the uh, GoDaddy Bowl. Uh, other than the sponsor, you can go <laughs> ahead and fill out those pickums. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff up there, so make sure to check those out. Um, all yeah. right, gentlemen, we'll have to do this again. Definitely, uh, you know, maybe again sometime for football. If not, we'll catch you maybe you know March Madness time. Uh, Definitely, yeah. have you sounds on. great. Sounds great. Ramon Ramirez, uh, Twitter handle, uh, at a thousand grams, spelled out, A-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D, grams. A thousand grams on the Twitter handle. Catch me in the Washington City paper. TJ Finley. My Twitter is at Terrence Jr., T-E-R-E-N-C-E, Jr. Follow me. I talk sports a lot, so it'll be fun. Awesome. And I'm at Jay Berniski, so check me out. All right, guys. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to the FantasyFootballSportal.com podcast. For more content, check out FantasyFootballSportal.com or Fantazzle.com for all your fantasy sports needs.